Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Highland Park Baptist Church. The preaching and teaching ministry of Highland Park is led by our pastor, Dr. Jeremy Wallace. Our desire is to help you grow in your faith so that you can better glorify God, make disciples, and love others. To learn more, visit us at hpbc.church. Now, here's this week's message. Psalm 96. We are focusing, obviously, this month on missions. And what I want to do this morning is, before we, Adam Spurlock will be preaching next week on the importance of reaching our local Hanahan, North Charleston community area. Craig Tuck is going to be preaching a week, week after that, who's the director of mission for the Charleston Association, on the importance of church planting and spreading the gospel throughout our region. And then the next week after that, we have Roy Seals is going to be here preaching on the importance of world missions. But before we ever get to talking about those things, we have to know why this is important. Why does it matter about missions? Why does it matter if we advance the gospel? Why does it matter if we're committed to this? Why, does it, I mean, why can we not just simply come to church, sing a few songs, listen to a message, and go home? Why does there have to be more to who we are and what we do? And let me go ahead and give you the premise for this this morning. Here, here's the whole idea. God has a heart for missions. God has a heart for people. God loves people and loves the nations and loves the spread of the gospel. And so if you and I as believers are truly committed to following God and following God's heart, then we have to be committed to what God is committed to. We have to be passionate about what God is passionate about. We have to pursue what God says we should pursue. And so what I want to do this morning is simply understand God's heart for missions. And I'm not going to take a lot of time, but I do want us to look at Psalm 96. This past week, I read about two brothers who gave their lives for missions. They were in Nigeria. And the story goes that these missionaries went to this home in Nigeria in 1907. One of them was named Reverend Fox. Mr. Fox was a professor at Cambridge University, and when he arrived, his walk with Christ was so deep and so real that he led many people to Christ. I mean, how he lived just attracted people to him. And so he founded a church, and that church began to grow, and from that church they went, and they started another church about 10 miles down the road. And as that church grew, then they went and started even another church, even 10, 12 miles down the road, and this was the pattern. In fact, this was growing so rapidly and this movement was spreading so rapidly that, that so many people were coming to Christ that he realized, you know, that there's got to be more. I, I, I need help. I can't do this all by myself. And so he wrote to his brother. His younger brother was a physician also in Cambridge and he asked him to come help him because there was a medical practice that was needed. And so his brother started the journey from England, and this was a long, tiresome journey back in the early 1900s. And while he was on his way, his brother, who was already in the country, who was already in Nigeria, fell ill and died. But his brother understood the need, and he had kind of understood from the letter and from talking with his brother that this was urgent. So he went on. Even though his brother died, he continued the journey, finished the journey, and when he got there, continued the ministry. But even that, soon after he was there, he fell ill, and died. The oldest brother was 32. So you have two individuals who believe so strongly in taking the gospel to those who need it that they're willing to give their lives for it. 
They were part of the Church Mission Society. And so they wrote to their father, the Church Mission Society, on the death of these two brothers, wrote to the father who was a pastor. And when they told him what had happened to his sons, they told him that your two sons have passed away. They're no longer alive. He and his wife fell into this deep sorrow and they cried. But they held on to their faith. They, they did exactly what we just heard about. They trusted in God in the midst of this agony, in the midst of this pain. And they did something astounding. They sold all their land. They sold all of their property. And they took the proceeds to the Mission Society and said, As much as we grieve the death of our two sons, we will only be consoled if the purpose for which they died continues. And so they gave the money from everything that they had sold and they walked away. If you were to go now and read about these two missionaries and you look up their profile, you would see that they both had first class educations. They both had these advanced degrees from the best schools. But they died, the oldest one being 32. And the question that some people would ask is, what a, what, wasn't that a waste? I mean, why would two people go into this, this dangerous area, this area where there's all kinds of sickness, try to spread the gospel, attempt to start churches, knowing that they could die? Isn't that a waste? And then you have the parents who sell everything on the news of the death of their son, sell everything, and they take the money, and they give it to advance the mission. I mean, don't they know that people can die from this? Isn't that a waste? Why would they do that? And the reality is they did that because they understood God's heart. They did that because they understood that God is passionate about the nations. They did that because they understood that this mission that we have been given matters. They understood that there are souls hanging in the balance. And so they were not content simply going to church and going through the motions. They said, God has given us a mission, and this mission is centered to the heart of God. And so if we are going to pursue the heart of God, we also have to pursue the mission of God. See, I wonder how many of us this morning are attempting to pursue the heart of God while ignoring the mission that God has given us. And I wonder how many churches there are that say, you know what, we, we want to worship God and we want to praise God and we want to gather and learn more about God, but we care nothing about the mission that God has given us. That, that, that's inconsistent. I mean, that's basically that basically has the mindset that says, I want, to, I want to have a relationship with God and I want to be assured that I'll go to heaven, but I don't want to do anything for him and I certainly don't care if my life matters for eternity. See, so when we understand the mission of God and the heart of God and we begin pursuing that, we begin to understand there is more that God has called us to. So I believe very firmly that as a church, if we all rallied, around the mission that God has given us. And we said, we're willing to put everything on the table. We're, we're willing to sacrifice everything. We want to do what God has called us to do, that this community, this city would be transformed by the gospel. But there has never been a church that has transformed, a gospel, transformed the community by accident. We never drift accidentally into a gospel focus. We never accidentally drift into this focus that says we want to advance the gospel. It has to be rooted in personal, individual, intentional decisions that we make. And so what I want to do this morning in the next few minutes is just help us understand why this is important. If you're taking notes on the back of your bulletin, you'll see that there's an outline. And I'm just going to walk through this. And again, this message this morning is nothing groundbreaking, but I think it's crucial. I think it's important that we understand. So here's your first truth this morning. 
God is passionate about reaching the nations. God is passionate about reaching the nations. All throughout the Old Testament, we see that God is concerned with his fame among the nations. He is constantly concerned with his glory being spread among the nations. When we hear that term nations, though, we have to understand what we're talking about. When we hear the term nations, what do we think of? Nations. We think of countries. In Scripture, when it uses the term nations, it is referring to ethno-linguistic groups, which there are about 12,000 of them in existence today. Not just specific countries, but groups that speak different languages and have their own culture and their own group, 12,000 of them. So when we read about God's glory being spread among the nations, he's not just talking about individual countries, he's talking about people groups. So let me read you about 10 verses. I'm going to read these fast, so don't try and turn there, but let me read you about 10 verses that show that God is passionate about reaching the nations. Psalm 46.10 says, Stop your fighting and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth. Psalm 67.2 So that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the people praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations rejoice and shout for joy. Let the people praise you, God. Let all the people praise you. Psalm 57, 9 says, I will praise you, Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. Psalm 96, 3, declare his glory among the nations, his wonderful works among all people. Psalm 108, 3, I will praise you, Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. Isaiah 66, 18 says, knowing their works and their thoughts, I have come to gather all nations and languages. They will come and see my glory. Ezekiel 16, 14. Your fame spread among the nations because of your beauty. This is the declaration of the Lord God. Malachi 1.11. From the rising of the sun, even to my name, will be great among the nations. From the rising of the sun to its setting. My name will be great among the nations, says the Lord. First Chronicles 16.23. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations. His wonderful works among all peoples. See, the theme that runs through all of those passages, and I could read you 30 or 40 more from the Old Testament, is that God is passionate about his name being known. And he's not just passionate about you knowing his name, and that is crucial. He wants you to know his name, but he is passionate about his name being known among all peoples and among all nations and among all linguistic groups. God wants his name to be known. He wants to be worshipped by everyone, everywhere. And part of the role of the nation of Israel in the Old Testament was that they were to live in such a way so that people would look at them and see that there was a God. And they were to go and they were to sing praises. Notice in Psalms, you see a lot about singing praises among the nations. Why? Why were they to sing praises among the nations? So that the nations would know their testimony of their God and what God had done for them. This was part of their their mission, if you will. They were where the nation of Israel messed up was that they began kind of huddling up and becoming inwardly focused to the point where they just wanted, they were just concerned with themselves. And what happened when they become concerned with themselves, idolatry ran rampant. And so instead of being outwardly focused and spreading the glory of God and telling other people about the glory of God and singing praises to the glory of God in the nations, they kind of huddled up and became inwardly focused and did not accomplish their purpose. Understand that God is passionate about reaching the nations. Number two, understand that Jesus was passionate about reaching the nations. 
Matthew 28, 19, and 20 says, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is our memory verse for this week. But I want you to understand the significance of this familiar passage. Understand the context. Jesus had just died and rose from the dead. He looks at his disciples. He's getting ready to ascend into heaven. And the last thing, the, the final thing he tells them, you understand, is going to be one of the most important things he's ever said to them. It's almost as if he's saying, I, I'm getting ready to leave you. And if there is one thing I want you to remember, if there is one thing that I, I don't want you to neglect, one thing that I don't want you to ignore, one thing I don't want you to miss, it is this. And I believe very firmly, if Jesus had one thing to tell us as a church this morning, it is this exact thing. And so pay attention to it. This is not just some passing, accidental, random comment. This is a strategically intentional comment to be sure that the disciples understand what they are to focus on. And here's what he tells them. Make disciples of all nations. Why was Jesus passionate about the disciples making more disciples of all nations? Why? Because he had just died to offer salvation to all people. He's saying, I just died to be a sacrifice to whoever believes and whoever calls on the name of the Lord. They can be saved. I just died to make that possible. Your task is to go and to be sure that all of these people know about what I have done so that they can worship and they can praise and they can glorify me. Don't. In essence, don't neglect what Christ has done. See, the sacrifice of Christ is sometimes we treat it as though it's a secret to be hoarded. We, we, we act as though it, I'm glad I have it and I hope other people get it. But in reality, the attitude is, God, thank you for your salvation. My life's goal now is to be sure that other people know of the salvation they can have through Christ. The final words Christ gave we're to make disciples of all nations. Third thing I want you to see is that we are to be passionate about reaching the nations. So we understand that God is passionate about reaching the nations. We understand that Jesus was passionate about reaching the nations. So as a result, we should be passionate about reaching people. This is where I want us to look at Psalm 96. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. Just follow along. It says, Sing a new song to the Lord. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to Yahweh. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonderful works among all peoples. For the Lord is great and is highly praised. He is feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. You keep reading all the way through, you get down to verse 10, and it says, Say among the nations the Lord reigns. Verse 11, let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Go all the way down to verse 10. And again, it talks about the righteousness of God. But the theme throughout all of Psalm 96 is that we are to proclaim who God is to all people. Let me just say before I give you very quickly the rest of the outline that our proclaiming God to the nations is not... Sometimes we hear nations and we think, you know what? I hope the people in Nigeria hear the gospel. And I'm willing to give so that the people of Nigeria hear the gospel. Do you understand that God desires that your next door neighbor also hear about the gospel? Do you also understand that it's not just about world missions? It's the reason why we're focusing on this the way we are this month. It's not just about world missions. It's also about local missions. That's going to be the theme next week, reaching our local community. We are called to be missionaries. 
So when I say passionate about reaching the nations, what I'm saying is we're to be passionate about all people, beginning with the people in your neighborhoods, continuing to the people in your community, continuing to the state, the nation, the world, but it begins at home. So how do we do this? How do we demonstrate that we are passionate about the nations? What does this look like? Let me give you several things. Here's the first one. We tell them the truth of God's glory. So as we encounter people in our lives, we do not hide the fact that we worship an awesome God. We do not hide the glory of God. Psalm 96.3 says, declare his glory among the nations. Declare his glory wherever you are. We should want all people to hear about the glory of our God. There are several components of that. You say, what is God's glory? How do, we, how do we proclaim, how do we tell people about God's glory? Well, first component of that is God's salvation. Verse 2, sing to Yahweh, praise his name, proclaim his, what does it say? Salvation from day to day. We, in, in proclaiming God's glory, we tell people of God's salvation, but not only that, we tell people of God's wonderful works. Psalm 96.3 says, declare his glory among the nations, his wonderful works among all people. And I often wonder, what were the wonderful works that God was telling them to proclaim? And I think very foundationally, he was instructing them, tell people about God has worked in your life. Has God ever worked in your life? Raise your hand if God's ever worked in your life. God ever blessed you? God ever answered a prayer? Part of us telling people about God's glory is simply explaining to them how good God has been to us. So the nation of Israel, for them, it was, hey, let me tell you about that time we walked across on dry land. Wouldn't that be neat? But you know what they, the undergirding truth and principle was in that? God was always there. And God provided, and God protected, and God led, and God was glorified through everything that he did. Tell people about God's wonderful works. Third, tell people about God's greatness. Verse four, for the Lord is great. We serve a great God. And sometimes we can look at the Old Testament and we can hear all the stories of how God worked in miraculous ways and we can think, I wonder if God is still as great today. I mean, can God still work in miraculous ways today? And the answer is yes. How do we know this? Well, the Bible says that he is the same. Yesterday, how's it go? Today, and forever. God is faithful. He is unchanging. Tell people of God's greatness. And then fourthly, tell them that God reigns. Verse 10, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. So if we're passionate about reaching the nations, then we're going to tell people the truth of God's glory. Number two, we invite them to give glory to God. Notice verse 7, Ascribe to the Lord. This is an invitation. Ascribe to the Lord, you families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to Yahweh the glory of his name. Bring an offering and enter his courts. Worship the Lord with splendor. This is the hardest part of sharing our faith, and this is the hardest part of kind of demonstrating this, but there comes a point where we don't only tell people about God's glory. We invite them to come and also give glory to God. It's an invitation. As we're telling them of how good God has been and how much God loves us and what God has done for them through Christ, then we, we invite them, wouldn't you love to worship this God and give your life to this God and receive forgiveness from this God? Invite them to come. And when people understand the salvation of God and the forgiveness of God, the natural response of that is a life that gives glory to God. That's why it's so important that as a church we do not ignore the Lord's table. Why? Because when we understand what Christ has done for us, 
we'll be more likely to give God glory. When you ignore the sacrifice of Christ, then you're in danger of living a life that ignores what God has done, and you fail then to give glory to God. Third and final thing, we also have to be truthful with people and warn them that judgment is coming. Verse 5, for all the gods of all the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Again, verse 10, say among the nation the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be shaken. Verse 13, before the Lord, He is coming. He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with His faithfulness. What does this mean? Here's where this matters. Do you all believe that Jesus is coming again? If we believe that truth, listen carefully. If we really believe that Jesus is coming again, then we also have to believe that there is coming a time where the decisions that people make on this earth are final. There's not a makeup test. It's not as though you can live on this earth, reject Christ, die, and then have another opportunity. I mean, the Bible is clear. It is appointed unto men once to die, and then after this, judgment. So as people who understand that this life is temporary, and James says it is nothing but a vapor, a fog, and as people who believe that God's Word teaches that Jesus is coming again, what that means is that there are people surrounding us each and every day who need the gospel. There are people everywhere across the world who need the message of Christ, and there is coming a time where they will have no more opportunity to receive Christ. There are people in your neighborhoods who will have no more. There's coming a day when the decision that they have made is final and they'll have no more opportunities to make a decision for Christ. See, this reality, say, why is God so passionate about us as the church advancing the gospel and reaching the nations? Because judgment is coming. Christ is coming again. And those who reject Christ in this lifetime will have no more opportunities. And if we believe that, that provides urgency. It means as a church, we cannot just sit back and just be content to, to have worship services a couple times a week and, and just kind of come and then go and just live our normal Christian lives. We have to say God is passionate about this because he understands that there's a time where this earth is going to end. Jesus is coming, and we have to understand that the people that God has placed in our lives and the people in other countries and around the world, they need Christ. And if they reject Christ in this earth, then they are facing an eternity in hell. And if that reality rings true in our hearts, hearts, then that drives us to do something. It changes us. See, to sit back and just live this, this passive, mediocre, somewhat committed Christian life that never is committed to the gospel, never is committed to the mission that God has given us, then we are denying what we say we believe, that there is an eternity and people need Jesus. Because if we embrace those truths, it will change you. I read these statistics the first week of our study in the book of Acts. I want to read them again. And then I want to close our service by having prayer. We're not going to sing, but I just want us to pray. And I'll tell you what, I want to challenge you to pray in just a moment. But in Hanahan alone, there's over 20,000 people. In Berkeley County, there's over 200,000 people. 
Charleston County over 400,000, Dorchester County over 140,000. I read the statistic or said a few weeks ago that we have 50 people a day moving into our area. Just to keep up with the population growth, we have to start a church every other week and have that church reach run 300 people just in order to reach the new people who are coming in. That doesn't even touch the 90% of people who are not following Christ who are already here. In our region, there's over three-quarters of a million people. In South Carolina, almost 5 million. In the USA, 320 million. In the world, 7.5 billion people who will one day spend eternity somewhere. Do we really believe that eternity is real? Do we really believe that Jesus is coming again? Do we really believe that one day everyone will stand before Christ? See, if we really believe these truths and we read the numbers of people that are around us in our community and in our state and in our world, then we have to either say, you know what, we're going to commit to this. But the, the option that so many people choose and so many churches choose is to acknowledge it but then to ignore it. And what I want to challenge you to do this morning is to acknowledge it and then pray that God would show you how to pursue it. I said this at the very beginning, and I want to close with this statement. If you are a follower of God, and you want to pursue the heart of God, then you have to understand that God is passionate about people. And you cannot pursue the heart of God while ignoring the passion of God. You cannot pursue the heart of God and say then that we care nothing about what God is passionate about. And so if you're here this morning, you say, you know what? I, I want to be passionate about God, and I want to be passionate about what God is passionate about. Then what that means is that we need to be a church that is passionate about the mission that God has given us. And then everything else we talk about the rest of this month is going to flow from that. And so what I want to do is just invite you where you are to stand. Just stand with me. And Mary's just going to play softly on the piano. If you will, go ahead and just bow your head and close your eyes. If you want to come forward and pray, you can. If you want to pray where you are, that's fine as well. But understand this, God is passionate about people. And if you are going to pursue the heart of God, you also have to pursue people. You have to be passionate about people. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer, and I'll pause about halfway through, and I want to challenge you where you are, that you would just pray, God, give me a passion for people. God, help us as a church to pursue that mission. Our Heavenly Father, we love you. And God, in our desire to pursue you and focus on you and pursue your heart, God, I pray that you would help us to understand that we have to be passionate about people. We have to look beyond these walls and not stop focusing on ourselves. And we cannot major on our preferences and what we like and what we prefer. But God, the mission that you have given us is far more important than any of that. There are souls hanging in the balance this morning. And so God, I pray that you would help us in our pursuit of you that we would pursue what you are passionate about, and that is the mission that is people. I'll finish praying in just a moment. If you will, keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And if God is speaking to you, let me encourage you to respond. Either where you are, if you'd like to come forward, I challenge you to do that. 
but respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life this morning. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for our time together this morning. It has been wonderful having both congregations together in one place, focusing on what you have done for us through the person of Christ. God, I pray that as we dismiss in just a moment that you would help us to live this out and to focus on this each and every week this month as we come together over the next four weeks and we focus on what you have called us to do as we hear from different speakers and people who are pursuing this mission that you have given, that you would challenge us, that you would convict us. And God, that our light in this community would burn bright and that it would burn far and so that more people would know who you are and as a result, glorify you and worship you with their lives. We love you this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have any questions or want to know more about having a closer relationship with Jesus Christ, please contact us online at hpbc.church. Please join us again next week as together we seek to know Christ and make Him known.